Though it's my great privilege to introduce to you our teacher tonight, we um, have a special person. Um, some of you may, this may be the first time that you meet her. Her name is Denise Salvato. She is married to our uh, senior pastor, Rob Salvato. So, Denise, if you want to make your way up, just a little bit about Denise. I will have to say I've known Denise for many years. And the one thing that I can say about her is that she has such a passion and love for God's word. And she has just as much passion for all of you. And so she's impacted my life, and I know she's impacted many of your lives. So um, we're blessed. She's my sweet friend. Welcome, welcome. Wow, we got a great crew tonight. This is exciting. You know, I love September because... For women's ministry, this is actually when our year begins. And so it's all the anticipation and the preparation and everything that goes into um, tonight, to this week. And we are excited. And really, I'm privileged to be here with you on the welcome night to share it with you and to see all of you. And, you know, we have an amazing leadership team for Monday nights. I hope you know that. These women are amazing and so faithful and so gifted. And, um, you know, I just walked into the place, and, and I just love the body of Christ and that we're all members, and we all have gifts and ways to be used. And just to see all over this place um, God moving through women is amazing. And um, I'm so blessed by that. And, you know, not only are we excited about what's happening here on Monday nights, um, but we are thrilled to be starting up our Thursday morning women's Bible study again, right? It's been around 10 years. I'm not sure on um, that, but somewhere around 10 years since we've actually been able to host that in our church facility. So we're excited, and I think there's, I don't know, around 50-plus women registered for that. And then we have our um, wonderful, beautiful Thursday morning Moms with Young Kids Bible Study that is just going great and so much fruit from that. And there's a bunch of women signed up for that. So, And then, you know, to add to that, and I grabbed the wrong glasses, so they're going to be off my face every time I want to look at you because you're all a blur when I put them on. Um, But we started our grief share ministry um, for those that have experienced loss of a family member or loved one, and that is actually taking place here in this facility tonight also. Isn't that just beautiful? So all the ministry that's happening, we just give God the glory for that and what he's doing. And I want to just pray over you before we begin. Um, So let's do that. Lord, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for the work that you are doing, Lord, in Calvary Vista, but Lord, more importantly, in our lives personally um, and corporately, the body of Christ. And Lord, we give you the glory tonight. Lord, we want to look up and just um, focus our attention on you this evening. And Lord, I pray for every woman here Lord, that you would touch them, Lord, that through this Bible study, as they just step out and make that commitment to your word, Lord, that you would honor that, that you would bless them, Lord, that this would be a year of growth in their lives, 
Lord, that you would stretch them. Lord, that you would even test them. Lord, that you, by your spirit, would do that work of transformation that only you can do, Lord, because we love you and we want to change and we want to be made more into your image. So, Lord, have your way and have your will in each one of our lives, Lord. We just ask this in faith, and we know, Lord, that that is your will and that you will accomplish, Lord, what you've set out to do. And so we commit this time to you in your name. Amen, 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 amen. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And if you do not have a Bible or you forgot your Bible, it's okay. You can raise your hand, and I know someone in the back will take initiative and go get you a Bible. And I'm saying this because I don't, it's, it's crazy how many times lately I've been forgetting my Bible. And it's really embarrassing when the pastor's wife forgets her Bible, right? <laughs> And then one thing I do, too, it's like I get it into the car, and then when I leave the car, somehow I forget my Bible, and so I'm always borrowing one of the loner Bibles, or I'm going to the lost and found, because I don't want the loner Bible, because then everyone will know that I forgot my Bible. So and then I'm using one of your lost and found Bibles. So, so anyways, if you ever forget your Bible on your way in, just there's always loner Bibles out behind the glass. Just grab a loner Bible, use it. It's all good. And then you can put it back when you're done. If you don't have a Bible, take it home and use it. It's our gift to you. Um, also, I just want to give you permission every week when it's time for the teaching, you can adjust your seat because some of you have your back to me because of the way the tables are positioned. So right now, if you're just uncomfortable, you want to turn your chair, let's just all make the noise together, get that over with, get yourself settled. I know I have to get mine totally turned around because I need the back rest on my back. So just get comfy. So, before I start, I just have to say, it's an honor to be married to my hubby, Rob, and just to serve at Calvary Vista for all the years that we have. Ah. And um, there's so many of you I know so well, and there's so many new women, and, you know, so if I've never said hi to you, or you've never had a conversation with me, um... Grab me on a Sunday. It's funny. Everyone's afraid of me on Sundays no, or Wednesdays. Nobody sits by me. I know Christy said that, too. There's something about pastor's wives where no one thinks they should sit by the pastor's wife. Come, you can sit by me. It's okay, but I love you. You know, it's always exciting to read a book, isn't it? And I had lofty dreams this summer of reading books. I had a pile of books that I plan to get through. I have to say, I did finally finish a book by Jean McClure that is awesome, and I can't even remember the title. Marianne, where are you? The Trunk. And it's like all the stories of her life. They're just these little vignettes of stories and God's faithfulness, and oh, it's a fun book, The Trunk by Jean McClure. So if you like to read, get that one. Not only does she tell her stories, but then there's that nugget of truth at the end that we get to take away for our own lives and families. But I finished her book, and I was so excited. And then I thought, I'm going to start a fiction. And we were camping, and I think I got to chapter 3. And that's as far as I've gotten so far in that book. So I have great dreams of it. But 
Before I begin a book, I always flip to the back to read about the author. I want to see the photo. If there's a photo, I'm curious about who he is or she and where do they live and why did they write the book. Um, If there's a prologue on the front pages, I never skip the prologue. I mean, that's important. I want to know the introduction to the story. I want to get all the facts before I jump into the book. Well, there's no photo or personalized written bio here, um, but we do have enough evidence that determines who authored the book of Acts and some facts about him. So I want to spend a few minutes on the author, and the author is Luke. Now, listen, this is not one of the 12 disciples, and I bet you some of you thought he was, because even in my head I do that, because, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I always think Luke is one of the 12 disciples, but he's not one of the 12 disciples. In fact, Luke is not a Jew. He was from Syrian, from Antioch, he's a Syrian from Antioch, and what's really special about Luke is he is the only Gentile author in the entire Bible. We know from Colossians 4.14 that Luke was a doctor by trade. And so somewhere along the line, as the gospel spread and was being preached, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, Luke heard the gospel message, and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. He was saved, and his life was changed. We don't know for sure how he ended up partnering up with Paul, but we do know that Luke counted the cost for his faith, that he left his home, he left his business, he was a doctor, so he, he had means, he, he, he was situated and settled and being used, but he left all of that to follow the Lord and to um, go with Paul. And come alongside Paul. And although we never see his name actually mentioned in the book of Acts, when we get to chapter 16, pay attention. Because you're going to notice that Luke begins to include himself in the story. That he uses pronouns we and us instead of they and them. And so it seems at this point in the book of Acts, which is kind of crazy, chapter 16, a lot's happened before chapter 16, but that's when all of a sudden he's part of the story. He's including himself in it. So somewhere along that line is when he began to do ministry with Paul. And you know, you have to remember, this was not an easy calling. I mean, Luke suffered a lot. He went through a, a lot of affliction, a lot of pain, a lot of persecutions. I mean, he's traveling with Paul. And we know that toward the end of Paul's life in ministry, it was hard. It was brutal. And so Luke experienced a lot of that. In fact, Paul, when he was in prison and nearing the end of his life, he was writing the letter to 2 Timothy, and he says in there that all forsook him, and then it says, only Luke is with me. That, like, makes me tear up. Like, all forsook me, but only Luke is with me. Like, I like this guy. (laughs) Don't you like this guy? I mean, talk about a faithful friend and partner in ministry. And oh, may that be the story of our lives, right, ladies? That we would be found faithful to the things that God calls us to no matter how hard, no matter how much we need to persevere, and faithful to the very end, no matter what the cost. So Luke's first letter was actually the Gospel of Luke. And again, remember, Luke never actually saw Jesus. 
He never saw any of his miracles. He never got to experience any of that. But he was a learner, and he was a good note-taker, and he was good at listening and asking the right questions. And so he would talk to disciples and followers of of Christ and, and all the eyewitnesses. So he was taking an account of the life and ministry of Christ. And another interesting fact is that he wrote all of this down to send to a specific man, and that man's name was Theophilus. And we don't know who Theophilus was, um, but it's obvious that he was important to Luke. Luke calls him actually in the Gospel of Luke, he says, most excellent one. So it's somebody that was probably maybe of some kind of authority or power or position, someone that Luke honored. And it's apparent that Luke cared deeply about Theophilus and and cared that his faith would grow and that he would know Christ and and know and follow him. And um, in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, it tells us that he wrote the gospel letter to Theophilus that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. And isn't that the heart of discipleship, to instruct and to guide with truth, to help one another grow in our knowledge and in our understanding. Think of the effort and the time and the commitment it took for Luke to sit and write out the gospel of Luke. And it was for the sake of one person. That's powerful. All of that effort was for one person, for Theophilus. It reminds me of our one-to-one discipleship, and I'm so blessed by the group of women who make themselves available to meet with other women and to do one-to-one discipleship. But it's far more than that. This, ladies, is discipleship. Women's Bible study is discipleship. And your Monday night leadership team is a great example of this commitment of time and effort and study and preparation, and wanting to get to know you, and pour into you, and love you. They have a heart to see you grow, and to see you thrive, and abound in the fullness of your relationship with Christ. And you know, I was thinking about Luke, and just this fact that he, when he penned the, the gospel, he thought he was writing to one man under the inspiration of God. But look what God had in mind that that gospel would be read by millions of Christians throughout the centuries. A gospel that has helped us to see the perfect humanity of the Son of Man, of Jesus Christ. It's just amazing. And so, ladies, again, let's be faithful to the small things. Let's be faithful to what he calls us to, even if it's for one. Even if it's for one. Maybe one family member. Maybe one husband. Maybe one coworker. Whatever he calls you to, that you would step out and do that, that your life can be an impact for the kingdom of God. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then somewhere between five to ten years later, he writes the book of Acts. So Acts, really, ladies, is the second volume in a two-part story. Okay? It's the second volume in a two-part story. And guess what? Guess who Luke writes to? He writes to Theophilus again. 
I just find that intriguing. There's so many questions we have, huh, that we, we wish we had more insight, and someday we will. But again, that is who he writes to. So I'm excited that there's a prologue to set the stage for the book of Acts and to remind us um, how the first letter ended and, and before Luke begins with Acts. And I thought it's a perfect thing on our welcome night just to take a little look at the prologue um, in Acts. So we're going to read this together. So Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons by which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So the first thing I want to point out is that Luke says his gospel was the account of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So the implication is that the book of Acts is this continuation of works. And as a matter of fact, the title in most of your Bibles read the Acts of the Apostles. But what I find so intriguing and wonderful is that when we get to the final chapter of Acts, there is no really like end to the story is there? You're kind of just left hanging, you know? Um, and, what's, and it's like, wait a minute, finish the story. What happened to Paul? What happened to the early church? And God intentionally leaves it this way because the pages of Acts are still being written to this very day. It's no longer by the apostles, but it's by the church. It's the acts, the actions of your life and my life as followers of Christ. And we are part of God's story. We're part of the acts. But what we don't want to miss is that the main characters of the entire story, from beginning to the final end, are the same. It's God the Father. It's God the Son. And it's God, the Holy Spirit. They are the three main characters. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament girls, we see this clear picture of God the Father magnified, don't we? All throughout the Old Testament, the the focus is on God the Father for his heart for mankind, for it's just all about that relationship that he's wanting with, with man. And he's always 
talking about his son to come through the prophets. It's always pointing to Jesus, to his son. And in the Gospels, we get this clear, vivid, magnified picture of God the Son, of Jesus, who came in human form, dwelt among men. But listen, Jesus was always talking about who? God the Father, wasn't he? He's always trying to remind the disciples that he has this relationship with God the Father, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and the Father who dwells in me does the works, the works that you see. I don't do anything without the Father telling me. I don't say anything without the Father telling me. I go, I pray, I seek God for for his will. I do the miracles he directs me to do. Everything is about the relationship with Jesus and the Father. Everything. Jesus' mission was to do the will of the Father and to glorify the Father. And then, before he completes this mission, before he goes to the cross, he made sure to tell his disciples about the Holy Spirit who was to come. That even though he'd be leaving, they would not be alone. That the Father promised to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, and that he was coming. So now, here we are, the second volume, the book of Acts, and the one who is clearly seen, that the magnifying glass is on, is God the Holy Spirit. This just gives me chills, and I hope you catch this. The main character will be the Holy Spirit in Acts. We're going to see the promise of the Spirit come, how he came, when he came, what he did. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit worked in and through the apostles' lives, through the early church, and the active role he plays in your life, in my life, every day. And you will find, as you study, that the Holy Spirit is on every page, or at least every chapter of Acts. Pay attention to that. When you're in the Word every day, what did I say? Every day. The main thing that I'm asking you to do, now that you, all, you have other teachers, and they'll be promoting things that they, encouraging things that they want you to be looking for, but my homework for you is you are to underline or highlight, maybe pick a color if it's yellow or whatever, every time you see the Holy Spirit mentioned by name, or sometimes it's not by name, it's by you see how he's working and how he's moving. And it's so intriguing. So pay attention to that. About what be watching for him. He's the main highlighted character of the book of Acts. You're going to see him instructing and correcting and convicting and guiding and moving all over in the book of Acts with the early church and their mission to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And what I love is that the Holy Spirit doesn't glorify himself. The Holy Spirit is always pointing us back to God the Father and God the Son and giving them the glory that they deserve. Um, And to God be the glory because great things he has done. Amen? Amen. And we want to be about that same thing. We always want, when the Holy Spirit works in and through us and we get all excited and we see that power manifested in our lives, may we always, always give the glory to God. Always. It's the glory due his name. So real quickly, 
To make my point about the Holy Spirit being the main focus of Acts, let's look again at the prologue, and we're going to look and see the Holy Spirit in the prologue. And what do we learn? What does it say? And you probably will have more time at your table for a discussion, but I'm just going to quickly just have us look at this. So, again, let's go back to the prologue and read the first couple sentences. The former account I made of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Have you ever thought about that? That even Jesus instructing his, his disciples and giving commands was through the Holy Spirit. That, so here's the takeaway. The Holy Spirit was working in and through the life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was working in and through the life of Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3 real quick. Luke chapter 3. Luke 3, and we're going to pick it up in verse 21. This is speaking of Jesus um, when he goes down to the river with John the Baptist. And it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. So we see here that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And whose voice did he hear from heaven? God the Father. Okay, and what is the Holy Spirit's name? He's our helper, right? So we know that Jesus, in his humanity, needed help from the Holy Spirit in his life for ministry and for his calling. And if Jesus, then how much more you and I? Okay, so that's your, that's your number one nugget right there. Hope you wrote that down. The Holy Spirit was working in and through the life of Jesus. So now let's pick it up. Um, back to the prologue, if you're not back to Acts. I'm going to finish. It says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. So right away in the prologue, we see again the Holy Spirit mentioned. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is a promise for every believer. That's the takeaway. The Holy Spirit is a promise for every believer. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is such a beautiful chapter because it's all like the Lord's final words to his disciples before his death. We're not going to read, for time, we're going to just focus here on um, verses 15 through 20. It says, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come 
to you. So after Jesus rose from the grave, he came and he showed himself to the disciples, proving once and all that he was the Messiah, the Savior. Can you imagine what that was like? I tried to really think about that week. And for 40 days, okay, and this is how I am, you know, because you're going to be opening up your Bible every day and just looking and discovering. I get intrigued by things like that. 40 days. Why 40 days did Jesus stick around? 40 40 days is a long time, right? But we know everything's for a purpose. So I did this whole word study on 40 days and 40 nights. And let me tell you, there's a lot of that in, I mean, off the top of your head, you can think of a few, you know, right? The, The flood, 40 days and 40 nights. When Moses went up to the mountain and was with the Lord and God was giving him the commandments, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting, praying, no bread, no water. I don't want to get, see, I'm rabbit trailing. I'm rabbit trailing. This, I'm, I'm, in, I'm showing you an example of what not to do in group time. No. No rabbit trailing. That's what we call it. Because I do that. <laughs> I do. Anyways, I'll stop. On your own, if you have time this week, like, look it up. You'll be, like, really amazed how many things, 40 days and 40 nights. But I will mention one other one. Jesus, tempted in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. Anyway, so 40 days and 40 nights, he's, he's expounding the scripture. It actually says that he, that he opens up their understanding to finally get it and clue in to what he's been telling them the whole time he'd been with them. And, and that's the moment, girls, when, when the disciples put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their Messiah, and they were born again. And we're told in John's Gospel that Jesus actually breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and immediately... They were in Christ, and Christ was in them by the Holy Spirit of God. And the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. He abides in us. He takes up residence in us. It's a glorious gift from the Father. And you know, if anyone's here tonight, and maybe you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Messiah, you can do that Right now, tonight, it's, it's believing in faith. And when you do that, the moment you do that, the Holy Spirit is in you. Lastly, I want to look at, um, pick up at verse 5 with me in the prologue. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when you get to Chapter 2 of Acts, Debbie's going to be teaching on the day of Pentecost and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that looked like and why and how and all of that. And um, so anticipate that. Look forward to that. We're going to see all the effects of that. Um, But, you know, our women's ministry, the motto, if you would, or the adage, something that we really want to be identified by is this saying that it's, we, we say, ab- abide and abound. Abide and abound. 
That's Calvary Vista's women's ministry, Abide and Abound. That's my heart for you, that you would abide and that you would abound. And Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. As a leadership team, our desire is to see each one of you abide and abound in fruit. That means you need to abide in Christ. You got it. You got to live in Him. <clears throat> you got to live in His love. <clears throat> you got to live in His Word. So, as we begin our journey of reading and studying Acts, I want to challenge you to be faithful to open up the Word and be a lover of the Word. And if you're faithful to open up the pages of the Word, God will be faithful to meet you in that journey and to teach you and instruct you and show you things in his word. And as you listen with with your pen in hand in that journal and you're anticipating him showing you things, you will grow. You will mature. You will bear fruit. And listen, it won't matter if you're a brand new believer. It doesn't matter if you're new to Bible study. with no knowledge of the word at all, or if you're one of our mature seasoned saints who's done so many Bible studies you can't even count it, (laughs) and you have so much knowledge stored up in you from being a student of the word, the word of God is living and powerful. That's the promise. And it's the word of God that can go down into our heart and into our mind and into our soul and go into the depths of us and reveal things, and change us. It's the word of God, the power of God. And he will meet you. You know, we're providing you some foundational questions. You know, we really prayed, and again, we felt that we were to stay on this track of rather than an entire written study with a bunch of questions, which those are great, but you tend to be looking for the answer and the right answer and filling those in, and, and they're great. I love those kind of studies, but the Lord has been putting us on this track of more inductive where you're challenged to really dig yourself and listen. And we do provide you some foundational questions. And your, your group leader in a few minutes will go over that with you. And you'll see them in your pack. And those are there to kind of get you getting a rhythm in your life. Okay? A rhythm to your devotions of just looking for some basic things that are really kind of like a springboard. You know, you might start with the first question, which I think almost always is, What do you see about God the Father or God the Son or God the Holy Spirit? Well, wow, right there in itself, after you've read your chapter, you're going to have a lot to just dig in right there if you really dig and take the time and you're journaling those things, you know. And you might go to the next question and it really stirs you and and it's like a springboard to something else the Lord takes you to or wants to 
minister to you or you might just need to stop there might be just so much conviction in your heart about something and you just need to pray it through so what i want you to understand is it's not a formula it's it's we're just laying this foundation and and just picture it it's like just trying to like lift you up and just come alongside you to just kind of get you pointed in a direction does that make sense So there's no right or wrong, and we're all different in the way that we like to do our devotions. If I told you the way I did it, you might go, huh, you know, well, this is the way I do it. That's good. That's all right. You know, God meets us in our personalities and the way that we learn, and some of us are visual, and some of us are audio, whatever. It's it's going before him, just anticipating that he wants to meet with me, he wants to speak to me. And listen, ladies, you can hear the voice of the Lord. I just get so sad at women that come to me, and they've been in this church a long time, and they're so um, insecure in that area. Well, gosh, I just don't think I really hear the voice of the Lord. When you guys talk about it, I'm like, you know, and it seems just intimidating. And you might be at the table, and you'll have some women in the in the group, and they're they're just, you know, just just. just beauty just rolls off their tongue, you know, and and there's so much depth. And then there's some, you'll walk away going, wow, they're a little hyper-spiritual, I don't know. And then you're going to have some that don't say a word. We're, we're all different, and we're all learning different, and we're all taking it in and discovering it different. So give each other space, you know. It's going to take a few weeks to just kind of get comfortable with one another, okay. Pray before you come. Pray for grace. Pray, pray that it won't just be about you when you get here. Okay, start there. Because if you walk in here thinking this is about me, and if they don't look at me right, and they don't listen to me, and they don't pray with me, and they don't, you know, you're just, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to find contentment. You're not going to grow. So start there. Lord, help me to see the bigger picture. I want to be a part of this body. I want to form friendships. I want to build one another up. I want to care about the women next to me. When someone expresses something really heavy, you know. You know, your group leaders want, you know, they, they want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and leading you. But trust your group leader. They've prepared their hearts. They're, they're ready to pour into you. For you that are talkers, and there are talkers in this room, in love, I'm telling you, you have to esteem one another better than yourself. You've got to see the big picture. Look at all the women at the table, and we want to hear you talk, okay? But we want to give everybody opportunity. And so you're going to have to bridle your, yourself a little bit. You're going to pray beforehand, Lord, help me, temper me, help me, because you're going to be so excited, and you're going to have so much to want to share. And we love that. We love our talkers. Praise God for the talkers. I'm not a talker. I'm a listener. I like the talkers, but you've got to come in and be in the fruit of the Spirit, self-controlled in that area, you know. I'm kind of getting off of my notes. I just feel like encouraging you in some practical ways in that. Ashley, don't laugh at me. But, okay, are you with me on all this? Like, like come expecting God to work, and trust me, he will, because his Holy Spirit's here. He's in us. The Acts is all about him working in and through the lives of believers. And so you're going to see some radical things happen, not only in your devotional life, in your personal life, and getting to share that with one another and stir one another up, but you're going to see some powerful moments happen.
in the ministry that takes place here, not only in your own group, but with one another and just fellowship. And I'm praying for that, that we'll reach out, that we'll care about one another, that we'll love one another, that we'll pray for one another, that it's not just we're coming here for head knowledge. We want a heart movement going on here at this Women's Bible Study. Amen? Lastly, if leaders will go over some other resources we have for you, but this is very discovery-oriented for you, you're going to be challenged. But you've got your group leader. We're excited to actually have groups this year. It's okay to call them. It's okay to email them. I'm kind of stuck this week. I don't really know how to do this. Help. They're here for you. Take advantage of that, okay? And remember, you will encounter spiritual warfare. We all do. We have to battle our laziness, our craziness, our busyness. And I'm in there with you. I am so in there with you. It's a choice to abide. We make the right choice. Boy, we're going to be blessed. So, girls, as you read through the book of Acts, I want you to pay close attention to the storyline of the Holy Spirit from beginning to end, he's actually, you know, we saw he's in the very first chapter. He's in the very last chapter of Acts. Oh, I just love that. And my prayer for you is that you will begin to take notice of the Spirit, not only on the pages of Acts, but on the pages of your own life, helping you, moving, working in your life, helping you to be his disciple, to share the gospel, to make disciples. We have the same privilege and promise that the first disciples did. And I also pray that you would believe with all your heart that God is in you, and you are in God, and that you are one. He can take the ordinary and do extraordinary. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of our hearts to be so open to what you want to accomplish in and through us. Lord, blow our minds. We want to see you move the way you did in Acts. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the guidance. We want to see the power and the boldness. We want to have discernment. We, We want the gifts of the Spirit to be flowing in our lives. And so, Lord, manifest yourself. Lord, we want to just focus our attention on you and pray that you would do that work. And Lord, as we grow to know you more, I pray that we would act upon your word, that we would obey it, that we'd act upon your voice, that we would let you lead us and guide us, and that we would act upon your promises and grow in faith. Lord, help us to abide and abound. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.